Hi there, everyone. Welcome to episode 42, 43, I don't know, whatever, of the Finger Guns podcast. My name is Roscoe. How are you doing? I'm joined by Mr. Paul Collett. Hey, buddy. Happy birthday to you. Oh, thanks, man. Happy birthday, dear Paul. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, you have to rub it in that I'm getting older. Thanks for that. But thank you. That's a beautiful Would you believe it? Paul is even older now than he was before. (laughs) I know. I feel it as well. To be fair, I feel a whole year older. It's not good. It was uh, his birthday yesterday on the first of February. It was. So we're uh, we're, we're celebrating today because uh, he was probably a little bit worse for wear last night. I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, you could say that. I was worse for wear at <laughs> this morning, and I was worse for wear at like nine a.m. this morning. So. Oh, Probably geez. why I put the washing machine on the wrong setting. I'm not quite with it yet. Okay, yeah. If you do at any point, hopefully I can get it out in the edit. But at any point, if you hear a horrible noise, that's Paul's washing machine. Yes, great. It's a new one as well because I had one of those forty ones that got recalled. You see, so it's brand spanking new, but it still makes a racket. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do? You gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> that was a very good Stallone. I like that. Thanks very much, man. I've very good. <laughs> very good indeed. And joining us is Mr. Sean Davies. Hello. How you doing, sir? I am very well. I had a very good weekend. Took the kids to uh, Laser Quest. Nice. And, yeah, there was there was a, a guy in his 30s taking it very seriously, shooting my kids. So <laughs> I, I ruined his day. Um, oh, good on you, man. What did you do? Did, this... you, did you kill one of his children or something? So this guy, he was, um, he was taking it way too seriously. He was, like, jumping from part to part. And... Most of the people who we were playing against were adults, apart from my kids and maybe two others. And basically, this guy was just following my kids around and shooting with them in the back. Now, my kids weren't really bothered, you know, they were just like having a, having a good laugh. And we were like dancing and high fiving and stuff every time he shot somebody. But this guy was taking it way too seriously. So, and, and when we got out from the first game, like I didn't really pay attention to him. I just thought, okay, he's just, he's a bit weird. Um, but he, he got top of the leaderboard. And then was celebrating. And I was like, yeah, you're celebrating because you shot a lot of kids in the back. I'm, I'm not sure this is like... So basically, what I did for the next game was he, he, you, you lose points more if you get shot in the front than in, that you do in the back or on the shoulder or on the gun. So what I was doing was, was basically following this guy around and shooting him on his front. So then he started to adopt this pose where he was jumping and turning his arse towards me so that I couldn't shoot his front panel. That's how seriously this guy was taking it. But then, then I basically started to twerk in his direction too, because that's what he looked like he was doing. He looked like he was twerking at me. Um, <laughs> and then eventually he came, he was like, go and, go and shoot somebody else. I was like, well, you know, he kind of followed my kids around for like 20 minutes in the last game, which was freaky enough as it was. But, you know, no, I'm not going to find somebody else. And then I think he was going to complain about me after the match, but we left. So, yeah. Well, so that's, He that... doesn't get out much, does he? Well, he was the only person there on his own. And, like, you know, that's fair enough. If you really like Laser Quest, that's cool. But also, you know, play against the adults. You know, there's no there's no point just shooting kids. The kids I took with, like, seven and ten. Mm. And he was in his, like, mid-thirties, dancing around. He even put a cap on and, and fingerless gloves to play. <laughs> he was dressed entirely in black. He's one of those guys that owns his own laser gun, his own laser kit, and his oh, own yeah, yeah. laser everything. Oh, yeah, the thing is, he was well. He, he he rolled around on the floor as well, which was like, mag- <laughs> <laughs> do you know, the, do you know, What's like the bit? office, the David Brent when he was like, <laughs> oh god, it's just like, <laughs> that. oh, it's horrible. But anyway, yeah, that that was my that was my trip to uh, Laser Quest, and I've also just caught up with Picard, so oh, nice. I am very happy. 
How are you um, doing, Roscoe? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm very excited for the Super Bowl this evening. Looking forward to that. Nice. Go 49ers. We can do this. Maybe. There's going to be a Bill and Ted 3 trailer, apparently, and I'm so excited for that. I know yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Big, uh, big trailer drops during the Super Bowl. So some good stuff, hopefully. Uh, looking forward to tonight. Bill and Ted 3 being the main one. That's going to be awesome. What, what time is the halftime show? Uh, I mean, it works out of probably about one o'clock. Okay. Okay. I'm not really that bothered about the football, but I'm not turning into the, the halftime show. <laughs> I didn't know you were a big fan of uh, J-Lo and Shakira. Who? <laughs> yeah. Maybe Sh- you want to miss the halftime show. Shakira, Shakira. Oh, she's that doing... one. Really? Yeah. yeah she's, she's still doing, doing stuff. She's doing the halftime show with Jennifer Lopez. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe I'll give it a miss. Maybe I'll catch up on the adverts in the morning. That sounds like a more sensible <laughs> idea. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm looking forward to, like I said, looking forward to Super Bowl tonight. And uh, yeah, all is well. Good stuff. As well. Thanks for asking. But we are here to talk about video games, damn it. So let's do that. Paul, what have you been playing this week? Oh, not much really. Just uh, just playing uh, a bit of uh, playing a bit of Destiny and uh, Breakpoint. Don't want to play Breakpoint anymore. Uh, it's rubbish to be honest. It's really annoying me. But I got back into Anthem. Anthem's pretty good. Is that about right? Actually, you couldn't be further from the truth. To be fair. Oh my God! Do tell oh, I know, right? This week I haven't played any games. Actually, that's a lot. I played one game, um, and that was that fucking shoot 'em up with the fucking Royale Sisters. What you call it? I can't remember its name. Um, uh, almost, almost you got it, they, yeah they got it the other way around that's it the review's going to come next week hopefully it's going to be like a sentence long because that's about all it deserves uh, I could review it right now and save right in that sentence but you know it's up to you guys but um, so I played that um, I thought it'd be quite good fun but it's absolute massive pile of shit and uh, <laughs> and that's pretty much all I played because I have been doing the designing for this PS5 thing I'm doing see so uh, I've been working on that, really. So no gaming, apart from Sisters Battle Royale shit, which hasn't done any favours to my gaming slump I'm in. It hasn't really ignited my passion for gaming again. So a bad choice of a well, bad choice of game to play this week. But yeah, I'll be reviewing that at some point this week, hopefully. So there you go. Sweet. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Sean Davies, what have you been playing this week, sir? Uh, so you might have seen, but I, I published a review on the website on Friday for Monster Energy Supercross 3, the official video game, which is the video game about Supercross and drinking Monster Energy drink and going over humps and stuff. And it's the third um, one. Yeah, it's it's the third. And I mean, it's all in the, it's all in the name, really. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's not like these obscure names like Disintegration, where you can't figure out what the hell the game is. It's just straight up. Monster Energy, Supercross, the third one. It's a video game. Done. <laughs> um, I give it an 8 out of 10, because despite it being a pain on the arse to get your hands around and, and get get the hang of, what you do, it's pretty damn good. It's loads more rewarding than I expected it to be. It's got some, like really great challenge modes and stuff that does kind of obscure stuff, like having making you go uh, around the track in different ways and stuff. So, yeah, it's a pretty good game. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Skyrim because I am determined, despite the fact that I've played it at least 20 times since it came out, I've never got the Platinum Trophy on it. So I'm going to get the Platinum Trophy on it. And nice. it, it's killing me. So I, for the first time ever, I have I have collected all 15 Data God facts, which is like, oh my God, it was, a, it was a challenge and a half. And currently I'm just like doing stuff to make enough gold and trying to get my level up. 
But uh, yeah, I am going to get the Platinum Trophy in Skyrim if it's the last thing I ever do. Sean, are you still playing through that game by using just your fists? Because that way it's made for entertainment viewing. Do you know what? I, I started that playthrough and this is the same playthrough I'm still using now. But the problem is when using fists is if you end up ran- walking into some random area where like an enemy is too high, you die a lot. Right. And the, the problem is I didn't have... A, the entertainment value would have come later on. So you can... If you build up your heavy armor scores, you can add that to your unarmed combat stats. And that was like 20 levels in. And I'd have to just grind out 20 levels by dying repeatedly. And that's what was happening towards the end of the first couple of streams where I was just basically walking into a room, a vampire would appear. It'd be like one of the low-level vampires. And within three seconds, I'd be like, dead. (laughs) So (laughs) it was a total pain in the arse. But yeah, it is the same see-through. Um, but I'm now I've got weapons now and magic because I just want to get it done, man. This game has haunted That's me for so long, so I just need it done. I've also been playing Disintegration, which is that game which we, well we played the I played a bit of the closed beta and then the open beta stress test, which I know that Roscoe streamed on our Twitch channel, which is Twitch.tv/fingerguns.net. Mm-hmm. What did you think, Ross? Not a fan. I'm not a fan of the multiplayer. I'm finding it it is. One of those games, it's it's completely different to anything else I've ever played. So it has that, you know, that that learning curve, and it is tricky at first. And I would be quite interested in playing the campaign, I think, but the multiplayer didn't really do it for me immediately. I played it for two or three hours, and it was definitely there's definitely something there. It's quite an interesting, um, quite an interesting idea, kind of mixing XCOM with Titanfall. That kind of idea is quite interesting, but it's not for me. But I'm sure. People are enjoying it, and that's the most important thing. Yeah, I see what they're going for, but I think, I think the the problem with this stress test is that I think that nobody really understood what the hell they were doing, and there was no communication between any of the teams. So I think if they can do that before you go in, basically say, okay, I'm going to play defense, I'm going to play attack, that kind of stuff. Because in in the in the beta, it was just like everybody was playing whatever they wanted, and nobody knew exactly how to play properly. It was just crazy. If they could do something like they did with um, Overwatch, where at the start screen you can see who's picked what teams and what they're best at, if that makes sense. I think it might yeah. do a lot for that game to improve the kind of meta because it really was just pew, 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 pew. Oh shit, I'm dying. Oh no. Ah, okay, I've respawned. Mm. Oh, I'm dying again. Ah. It, was just, it was just crazy. Yeah, I found it difficult to find a team that balanced out correctly, mm. which was also quite frustrating. You know, yeah. trying to find one that had good, that was like strong and also had the decent weapon and yeah there was, doesn't seem to be a single one that i fitted with really well and that was also yeah. annoying yeah they, they all seem to be really specialized in one thing mm. like some some of the teams had absolutely no firepower it was like throwing a stone against a metal spaceship yeah <laughs> <laughs> Aha! oh god i'm dead um and while while others seems like yeah they've got loads of firepower but also if, if anything else shot at them, they were just dead. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they put together like a, a noob, jack-of-all-trades, not-good-at-anything kind of build. That'd be nice. I've also been playing Journey to the Savage Planet, which is great. And I've also been playing a game called Maze, which I think Ross reviewed. Yeah, it's a long time ago. Feels like yeah, anyway. so my kids watched some YouTube influencer playthrough. It's on YouTube, and they begged me for it, and I realized it was in, in, in the downloads. So I downloaded it and started playing through with the kids, and yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. It's about sentient corn, which is, yeah, it's as bizarre as it sounds. But yeah, it's, yep. it's, it's, it's quite fun. You have to escape the evil corn 
area. That's really old. The evil it? farm. Yeah, it's been around for a while. Yeah, that's what I thought. I yeah. don't know if it was even finger guns I reviewed it for. Was it? It wow. might have been actually. Yeah, it probably was <laughs> thinking about it, but yeah, but, yeah it's been a yeah. while since I've played that. It was it was yeah, it was entertaining for sure. This is like a three D, you know, puzzle there and it's it's fine. It's got sentient corn. I mean, what more? Like, you can't really say anything about a game with sentient corn that's going to beat. It's got sentient corn. It's also got a talking teddy bear. There you go. I... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. It's all coming back to me now. It's not Shakespeare. Let's just say that. What have you been playing, Roscoe? I've also been playing Journey to the Savage Planet. I've been uh, cracking on with the single-player campaign. I've got to the bit that we got to in our stream in my single-player campaign, and... Yeah, I'm still bad at it. I mean, we were talking about the difficulty spike and it just elevates when you get to that area and you're immediately surrounded with enemies and it was just frustrating. I think I got past it in the end, but it was just, yeah, I wasn't enjoying it and I was really enjoying myself up to that point and it just sort of gave us a war. If you want to know what I'm talking about, you can see uh, Sean and I's stream of the game on twitch.tv.fungios.net. You can have a look at the archived video of the uh, stream and yeah, I'm really, you know, I do enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. I just, I think it's, a little overbearing in that particular area and didn't and i sort of put the controller down and didn't go back to it hopefully i'll go back to it at some point that's the nice. plan anyway yeah yes yeah like i said i've also been playing uh disintegration played the beta beta well, if you're listening to this on the day it goes up the beta will be over i think so that might be it for that one but yeah i don't know i've already sort of said my piece on it but i'm hoping that the campaign i remember seeing the original the announcement trailer and I was like, it's got a nice tone to it. It's got a nice sort of comedic tone. So maybe the campaign will lean into that a little more because the characters seem quite cool. So I'm going to wait on it. I'm going to probably give it a go once it comes out properly and hopefully fall into it and understand it a little more. Maybe. We'll see. Tutorial was uh, long and I had to jump out of it because it glitched on me. So there was one part of the tutorial I never got to. So I don't know what that was. Assumedly, <laughs> assumedly, my issues with the game might actually be hidden in that bit of the tutorial that I couldn't reach. So, who knows? Um, I've also been playing Fortnite, believe it or not. No way. Yeah, they decided another bunch of challenges. I've got them all done already because <laughs> I hate myself. Um, what did I say? What did I say? <laughs> I know. Um, uh, yeah, there's the new season doesn't start until February the 20th. You know what I mean? There's a long way to go yet. And mm. I just hope that they fill it out with something because it's really, really long now. I've done everything I can possibly do in this, in this uh, particular season. So I'm really looking forward to what is coming next. They are teasing some big things. Apparently, there's going to be a massive visual overhaul to season two. It's going to be realistic destruction or something. They're using a new engine for the next season. So, what? Yeah, it should be quite exciting. And okay. They're finally changing Fortnite up a little bit. This, uh, this, the length of this season has been literally killing my family dynamic because <laughs> Logan has been asking. Can I have the season pass? And I keep saying, yes, mate, I could. But you would you would only get like two weeks worth out of it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then the next day, oh, yeah, we, we put it back to the like the, the 13th of February. Okay, no problem. I could deal with that. Um, okay, then, then a couple more days. Can I have the season pass? It's coming out in, in two weeks' time. Uh, actually, we put it back to the end of February. Oh, for God's sake, man, you're going to make me buy this goddamn <laughs> season pass. Stop it. <laughs> Change the season now, for God's sake. I remember when the season started, I was like, man, I'm not going to have enough time to get to 100 because the grind was really hard at the very beginning. And yeah. I'm, now at, I'm now at level 350. Blimey. And I hate myself so well, much. Don't forget my little video clip I need off you, buddy. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Today was busy. I'll get, I'll get on it. I promise. Thanks, man. He was busy playing to... Fortnite. I was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it, isn't it? 
that might be fun, even though I've done all my challenges, there's nothing more to see. But yeah, what the hell? Fortnite streamer. I'll tell you what I did do. I did watch the uh, the Fortnite Australian Open um championships last night. How was it? I suck at Fortnite. I've learned that much. My god. A guy on a controller won the whole thing, so much to the dismay and anger of all the PC players that were there. <laughs> Uh, I was kind of proud. I was like, "Yeah, it's repping it for the controllers, good lad." It was so funny because they were watching, you know, they're watching the live matches, and there's lots of there's insane skill, all this ridiculous building, people playing with proper tactics. It's fascinating to watch. And then it cuts, and they go, "Oh, he's won!" And then they cut to the guy. And it's just like a eight year old kid at a PC, and it's like, <laughs> it's just really, it's really strange. And he's just sitting there like, yeah, okay, that was cool. And then like the interviewers would go over to him and be like, oh man, how do you do? What was your play, man? What would what what were you trying to do? And he was like, I just won. I just wanted to play the game and 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 I won. Oh, so what's your tactics for the next game, man? Uh, I'm just gonna go and do that again. <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you what do you think they're gonna say? You know, <laughs> they, they're just they're not like you know, with all due respect to them, they're not athletes. You know, they don't have a they don't they, they, they don't have a play. They just go in and play Fortnite and. They're incredibly good at it. I'm not. I'm not taking that away from them. One kid, the guy that won it, won a hundred grand, and he was 14. Dang. Oh, God damn. <laughs> and you know, fair play to him. It is weird when they when they sort of go up to him and they try and get some sort of tactical nuance out of him. And it's just like, yeah, I just played Fortnite, just built, and then uh, he he came around the corner and I shot him. That was it. You know, <laughs> it was brilliant, brilliant. Oh dear. Uh, if you're into Fortnite and you're listening, it is actually worth watching. It was a fascinating final if you're into it, which I am. So it was it was really, really fun. And I am been playing Not Tonight, which my review is now up on fingerguns.net, which went up on Friday. It's available now on Nintendo Switch. And I can say it's really great. It's a really great game. It's not the most amazing game in the world. It's harrowing and it's bleak and it's dark. And it made me literally turn off my TV and my Switch for a good few hours because there was, I said it in the review, there was one moment where I was playing the game and I was playing it for a couple hours then I put it down, and I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break now. I turned on the TV, and there was fucking Nigel Farage waving the British flag. And I was like, oh, for Christ's sake, I can't. I just can't. And so I turned off all of my electrics and went upstairs and read a book. <laughs> and What's a book? Not Tonight. Uh, exactly. Oh. If you don't know, Not Tonight is a post-Brexit simulator set in a very dystopian, bleak version of the UK. And uh, yeah, those two combined at once was just, no, I can't do this. So I had to take a little break from it, but I jumped back on and it does get a little lighter near the end. You know, there's a little bit of a, a, a kind of a revolution and it's it's really quite entertaining. And the DLC is very, very nice, a lot calmer and sweeter than, than Not Tonight itself. But I highly recommend it if you fancy uh, one of those kind of Papers, Please-esque simulators that has its tongue firmly in its cheek and is really rather entertaining and also quite scary at the same time. I really want the uh, Not Tonight to come to the PS4. Mm. So, like, Mike Rose, if you have listened to this, please, please bring some of your games to the PS4, please. Yeah, I suppose it's because Descenders didn't come to PS4, did it? It's um, coming, it's coming soon, but it has, uh, you know, it's not, it's been out on Xbox One, early access for a long time, and yeah. it's it's going into, it's on PC, and it's coming to Switch and PS4 later this year, but it's, it's that'll be their first game on PS4, mm. which is like... When you think you've got Not Tonight, Hypnospace, Outlaw, Outlaw, uh, Outlaw Profit, it's, it's just, you've just got loads of really great games and just none of them on PS4. So please, Mike. Come on, Mike. Sort no more robots. Come on, please. <laughs> uh, right then. Let's do the quiz. It's show. Davies. Hi. Hey. So this last week, something pretty big happened in the UK. 
And I'll be honest, I was stuck for a bit of a topic for this week's quiz and kind of between my wife's suggestion of doing a, a quiz entirely about the Lego games, which I thought would kill both of you, I thought I was going to do a, a quiz on the British gaming industry. So that's what we're going to do. A quiz all about British games. Oh, Jesus. Friends, every question about GTA. Bring it on. <laughs> and you will be happy to. There is not a single question about GTA. They're all about ocean software, or imagine. <laughs> so if you've never played this quiz... <laughs> Bullfrog. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> if if you've never played this quiz before, I'm going to ask the the guys ten questions. They're going to write down the answers, and then towards the end of the cast, we'll get the the answers from myself. We'll f- find out which one of these two takes it into the lead because we currently have a draw on the series. Greg, Paul, and Ross all have one win each, and uh, whoever wins this one will go into the lead. And Paul, you are not allowed to say I've completely messed this up now, mate. Okay. Well, I'm kind of, you know it's going to happen. I know anyway. you're going to say that, or, you know, you're banned from using your magic, okay? <laughs> there is no magic inside this Hogwarts quiz, okay? Right. Yeah, no apparitions and whatnot. Okay, right, you guys ready? Paul doesn't know yes. what that means. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question one. <clears throat> what is the name of the fictional city in which the game Burnout Paradise is set? That's an easy one to get you started. The question one, what is the name of the fictional city in which the game Burnout Paradise is set? And the link here is that Burnout Paradise was made by Criterion Games and they're based in the UK. Is it where the grass is green and the girls are pretty? Why don't you please take me home? Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Can you just read that again for me, please? Sean, 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 Sean. You want me to read the question for the third time? Uh, if you could, please, yes. Yes, okay. What is the name of the fictional city in which the game Burnout Paradise is set? Gotcha. If you I want to spell it out so you can Google it, it's weird, it? Did, did you see the trailer for Fast 9? I did. Oh, bring it on. Yeah. Justice is coming. Just John Cena, man. Um, <laughs> okay, question two. What was the name of the first game that was based on a Lego property and developed by Traveller's Tales, who are now known as TT Games? What's the first Lego game? First Lego game developed by TT Games. Oof. Question two, what was the name of the first game that was based on a Lego property and developed by TT Games? What was it? There were a ton before they got involved. Christ, man, you just you just like went up a second gear then. Yeah. What's what's the name of the city in Burnout Paradise? Uh, <laughs> name the first game yeah, by that, CC that, Games. Forty curve has just gone straight out the window, isn't it? Uh, yeah. This this is the um, Journey to the Savage Planet uh, quiz. <laughs> it's, a, it's nice and easy at the start, and then just boom, 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 boom. Okay. Question three. What is the name of the next game from Joe Danger and No Man's Sky developer Hello Games, set to release this year? Oof. Hello Games aren't making No Man's Sky anymore? Oh yeah, they're obviously going to keep making No Man's Sky. They'll, they'll finish it in 20 years' time. But they've got another game coming out this year. Have they really? 
They do. You making this up? Nope. I want to tell you, you're you probably think, uh, that they probably hold off on getting new games and get No Man's Sky like properly fixing and stuff. When was the last time you played No Man's Sky? Uh, November. It's really good now. Oh, do you know what? In VR, it's fucking brilliant. There you go. Here like comes say, you know. <laughs> okay. Question <laughs> question four. Rebellion, the developers of the Sniper Elite and Strange Brigade games. The Strange well as, Brigade. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, as well as the upcoming Zombie Army 4, also own which long-running comic book series that started in 1977. So Rebellion, the makers of Sniper Elite, Strange Brigade and Zombie Army 4, also own which long-running comic book series that began in 1977. Ooh. I think I noticed there's a very tiny reference to it in Strange Brigade. Yes, there is. There's a couple. I think I know this because uh, I do. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Strange conference from Paul there. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good or bad sign. I'm not, I'm not sure about this. Let's shut it down quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, question five. What was the name of the first ever game from Team 17? Was it A, Miami Chase? Jesus Christ! I've got to give you options. Was it A, Miami Chase, B, Worms, or C, Full Contact? I'm pretty sure Team 17 have been around longer than I have. Um, yes. But you've got a one in three chance of getting it right. Sorry, what are the three again? I apologise. I, I wasn't listening. <laughs> Question five, what was the name of the first ever game from Team 17? Was it A, Miami Chase, B, Worms, or C, Full Contact? No way it was Worms. You don't come out of the gate like that. <laughs> uh, okay. Question six. The London-based Slightly Mad Games, who developed Project Cars and the upcoming... Fast and Furious Crossroads were recently bought by which other British games developer? So question six. Slightly mad, slightly, slightly mad games. Uh, the developers are Project Cars and the upcoming Fast and Furious Crossroads were recently bought by which other British games developer? Is that, is that Crossroads? Is that a mobile game? No. Oh... Have you not seen the trailer? No. Oh, it's terrible. You should watch it. Is it? Oh, that's yeah. what I can't see. I'm all over that. <laughs> it, was the, it was the closing one from uh, the Game Awards. It was, it was bad. Oh, yes, it was. It was terrible, wasn't it? I remember now, yeah. There you go. Okay, question seven. Uh, Playtonic, the studio behind the ukulele games, was founded by six developers, all of whom worked at which other British studio? So question, question seven, Playtonic, the studio behind the ukulele games, was founded by six developers, all of whom worked at another British game studio. Which was it? I don't know this. Can we have, can we have multiple choice? You oh, do no, know this. You're not, you're not, no. You do know this. 
I don't. Nothing has come into mind at all. He's winding you up, John. <laughs> it's got to be. Uh, okay. <laughs> Question eight. Damn what? it, I'm going Oh, sorry. Go got on. the worst poker voice ever. <laughs> I really, I genuinely have nothing. I've put a dash. I have no idea. Are you dumb? Oh, my God. Are you, are you trying to copy my magic? Are you trying to like... <laughs> Is that what you're trying to do right now? <laughs> this is going to annoy the shit out of me, but there we go. Uh, okay. It's odd bollocks. <laughs> Question uh, eight. What's the name of the first ever game that was developed by Media Molecule? Question eight. What was the name of the first ever game developed by Media Molecule? Did you see that um, Last of Us 2 demake in Dreams? I did. How cool is that? That that bear guy, he, he used to work in uh, Lego Worlds as well. He used to do like so many good creations. He can make Goldeneye, the entirety of Goldeneye in Lego Worlds. Oh, man. Guy's got skills or plenty of time on his hands. Either way. <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> Maybe both, yeah. Question nine. British developer, The Chinese Room, gained its notoriety because of an ex- Exploration game, Dear Esther, which began life as a mod to which other game? Ooh. So question nine, British developer The Chinese Room gained its notoriety because of the exploration game Dear Esther, which began life as a mod to which other game? I think I know, but it's ridiculous. Because... <laughs> I'm going to sound really stupid if it's wrong. This one's got me. You've done me up, yeah? Oh. Oh. Oh, That's it. I give up. (laughs) He's done it now. (laughs) And last question. Question 10. The Leamington Spa-based Playground games have, to date, only ever developed games for one video game franchise. What franchise is it? So question 10, the Leamington Spa-based playground games have, to date, only ever developed games for one video game franchise. What franchise is it? Are you going to be really picky about this? No. Okay, good. I thought you might get picky whether it's that one or it's the (laughs) spin-off. I will take the series name. Alright, good. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. now you're going to be picky about question 8 can I just confirm this one question 8 yeah is it go- are you going to be really picky about this one what's the name of the first ever game to to be developed by Media Molecule yeah. it can only be one game uh, I was going to say you're either right or wrong on that I can't <laughs> well, it depends if, it, if, it, if it's if you talk about the game they developed initially or what it turned into yeah, see. Okay, I don't think you you okay. No, I'm not gonna be picky if you think you're right. Okay. <laughs> well I've got all the answers wrong, but I think they're all right. That mean I'm wrong. Fair enough. Yes. Okay, and that was all ten questions and uh we've got a tiebreaker, um, which I will <laughs> save for a bit later because both of you have been t- saying how badly you've done, so you're probably gonna do very well, both of you. So let's let's find out later how you did. I haven't got seven. I don't know what y'all keep talking about. I have not. It's the only one I haven't got. The only one so far, I think. Uh, I haven't got. 
that's gonna be up. That's absolutely gonna kill me. I know. Oof. Maybe we will have a tiebreaker. Maybe we will. Can I get an extra point for, for both the games uh, I talked about? Question eight and question, uh, question eight. No. Ah, oh, sounds of bitches. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, well, thank you very much, John. Ah, uh, pleasure. That was fiendish. I'm sorry. It was just a Brexit inspired. So. Ah. Uh, I know. I'm trying to look at all the good things that were British, you know, and the mm. things that we're going to lose over the next 10 years. <laughs> Great. Cheers, Paul and Greg. <laughs> oh, dear. Right then, let's get into some news. And I want to jump into this one very quickly. This came out yesterday. We're going to talk about Platinum, reportedly set to announce a Kickstarter for the wonderful 101 on Nintendo Switch and PS4. We were talking about this last night on our company Slack. Very, very late. Paul, very drunk on his birthday, goes, I don't know what you guys are talking about. And it made me laugh really, really hard. <laughs> Get that <Thanks>. out there. <laughs> it was like, if, even if you were sober, would you have any idea? Absolutely not. <laughs> so, developer Platinum, you know those guys, they make very cool games, including that Transformers game from love, a couple of years ago. I love ago, Platinum. This is good which, news already. Which Paul Collett loved. He loved the video game, ladies and gentlemen. Can you believe such a thing? It All actually right. happened. Well, they had a game on the Wii U called The Wonderful 101, which exactly six people played. Now, it would seem that there is dreams and hopes that it's going to come to Nintendo Switch and Platinum themselves look like they're about to start a Kickstarter for the game to come to Nintendo Switch. Now, this has not been confirmed. This is only a rumor, but we shall see. Reset Era said it's true, so huh, must be true, but let's find out. Um, an announcement is set for a for the coming days. It was a game developed by Platinum, who are now kind of part-owned by Tencent, who decided not to fund a remake of Wonderful 101, but instead forced them to go to Kickstarter. It's a very, very strange and controversial thing. So I was just wondering, have either of you played the Wonderful 101, and are you looking forward to a possible remake on the Switch, given Platinum have had a pretty decent track record for the last couple of years? Sean Davies. I don't care either way this this game seems like the, a lot of people say they really enjoyed it but it didn't see it sell anywhere near as well as, as as people make out it's like a thousand people all said yes this is going to be great but only like 10 of those people actually played it and said it was great so everyone just kind of goes with it Do you know, one of those kind of like group hysterias like when people say Shenmue are good Hey now, it's like, hey, easy, hey, easy, hey, easy. Hey. Greg started so I've got to do it, okay? Unbelievable. What <laughs> tag team for you guys, isn't it? Jeez. Uh, so, no, I just, I just think uh, I'm sure the people who, who played it will be very excited, and I'm sure there's quite a lot of people that never played it that wanted to will be very excited. It seems like a bit of a waste to leave games on the Wii U these days because, like, all 12 Wii U owners must have been really happy, but. You know, there's a lot of games on there that were pretty good. So, you know, let's let's get them off the Wii U. And if, if it needs a Kickstarter to do it, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul, do you know anything about the wonderful 101? I've never played it. and I don't think I've ever seen anything of it. So, yeah, great. It was directed by uh, Hideki Kamiya, who worked on Resident Evil Devil May Cry. So it's it's got some uh, it's got some pedigree behind it. But I never heard anyone sort of go, oh, yeah, we're crying out for a wonderful 101 remake. It just seems yeah. that Nintendo fans at the moment seem to be quite starved of information because Nintendo have been relatively quiet in terms of what they're planning for this year. And well, so well, they... I have to admit, sorry to butt in, um, it's, it's, all, it's quite good that they've gone to Kickstarter. So um, I, like, I like the trend that they're doing that because obviously the games that people may or may not want, like Shin Mufri and, and this one, um, they're getting made now. 
which can only be a good thing. Yeah. So um, I'm pleased that that's now happening on the back of what happened with Shinmu 3. So, yeah, great. That's all mm. I've got to say, really. Yeah, it's good for those that want it, I guess. Exactly. And watch it get uh, funded almost immediately. Wow. Even though people don't really know what they're, <laughs> what they're going for. <laughs> um, I wanted to bring up that slight controversy about Kickstarter, given the fact that they are owned by, or sort of part owned by Tencent. Uh, Sean and I had a little discussion about this yesterday. I thought we could kind of like retread that a little bit. You had a interesting kind of theory because there's a lot of controversy in the fact that Tencent could fund this and like dropping money down the back of a sofa and not even notice it but they don't seem to be want to be doing that yeah so I mean the, the Tencent aren't daft and you know despite the fact that they've, they've owned Platinum for a long time they've they've had quite a lot of, of stuff go through Platinum and get cancelled so Tencent you know they, they aren't stupid with money and they they will be at least part of funding funding this this if it goes ahead. The the Kickstarter is there as a way to basically get pre-orders. And it's it's a fantastic thing that a lot of these kind of bigger indie developers do now, where they like they go to Fig and go to Kickstarter and they gauge interest. It's like with, with Shenmue 3 and with uh, Broken Broken Sword. No, not Broken Sword. Like Big Chalice and Broken Age. Broken Age, that's the one. Um, but yeah, they, they basically these 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 big developers they they have plenty of money they can get investors to do it themselves. But basically, what they do is they get they get people invested, and what happens is this this Kickstarter basically allows people to say, okay, well, on our own, speaking to fans, we've we've already managed to sell fourteen thousand copies of this game, which for some games is like amazing, even out the gate. Do you know what I mean? So, it's p- people you know getting all riled up about you know having to have a kickstarter yes the, the kickstarter is a proof of concept that people want to buy the game this isn't you know somebody having to do a hd remake of wonderful 101 on a shoestring budget that's paid for by however many people kickstart the, the game it's a proof of concept and you know ten said will and platinum will will put in money to make this thing happen it won't be purely done on kickstarter money it's just a, a proof of concept that there is interest out there for the game and people need to, you know, chill, chill out a bit. You know, these things happen, and they're going to continue to happen. So, get used to it. Yeah, guys, can we just all like just chill right now? That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, there's there's some honking takes on the internet, isn't there? You know, like oh, isn't there just? Why aren't Tencent paying for it? Because nobody bought it the first time. So why do they think they're going to buy it and send out a second version to die? Like. <laughs> Buy it, like, like buy the first game first. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. It's like half a million people going. Turns out should pay, pay for it, and like the ten thousand people that originally bought it going, what? <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <sighs> okay, well that's uh, that's kind of there's not much else to talk about until Platinum uh, actually confirm this if they do at all. So yeah, cool. Just wanted to get a quick take on it. Right, let's move on to Nintendo. They've had a lot of news out this week. Primarily, more than anything, is that. This Nintendo Switch has apparently sold more than the Xbox One. It has outsold the Xbox One with, with four years less on the market, which is a big thing from Nintendo's uh, recent financial call. They've also confirmed that a Switch Pro, which has been heavily rumored on, well, on recent era on Twitter and YouTube, doesn't mean anything, but it's not coming this year. It may not come at all. No one really knows if it's coming ever. But yeah, it's not coming this year. A lot of people thought they would release a Pro for the Switch due to the uh, Series X and the PS5 coming out this year, but that doesn't seem to be the case. 
Nintendo are clearly selling Switches like hotcakes right now, so why would they make a fancier one for more money? You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Anyway, finally, The Outer Worlds has been confirmed to come out on Switch in March with a physical copy with a digital download code in it. Yay! And no cartridge. Interesting. (laughs) Paul, all of your takes on this. Nintendo Switch outselling Xbox One? Well, that's a given. I mean, I think fucking digestive biscuits could outsell your Xbox One. (laughs) (laughs) But that's good news because, like, you know, there's also there's always a worry with Nintendo because obviously they, they don't really try and focus on power and graphics all the time. They're just trying to think like they've got their own sort of direction, which has always sort of been their kind of niche, as it were. So uh, that's great news. A Switch Pro or something similar might have been quite nice because I've got a feeling that it's kind of kind of get forgotten when a new wave of consoles going to come out. I mean, the Switch has its advantages, obviously, being mobile and so on. And at the moment, as well, on the Switch, the lack of the AAA titles for Nintendo, we all know and love from various Nintendo uh, consoles, haven't really materialised yet on the Switch. You know, don't know what's happening with Metroid, uh, where's F-Zero when you, when you need it kind of thing. You know, um, great that it's outsold, outsold Xbox. Um, and But, I, yeah, I, I would like to see, like, a, a pro version, which will, which will extend the life of the, of the Switch, so to speak, so we might get the opportunity to see these games that I just mentioned. Uh, and... It won't get sort of forgotten when Xbox Five and, and the, the Sex comes out. Yeah, it's interesting. Nintendo normally this time of year have a big old direct where they showcase everything that's kind of coming out for a good part of the year, but they haven't had one yet. They've had one for Pokemon, and one for something else. What was it? Smash Brothers, uh, but not like a big old direct. So Nintendo fans are getting very impatient right now, waiting to see what's coming. I mean, we've got Animal Crossing in March. That's their big thing for the early part of the year which is going to sell millions and millions and millions. But yeah, we're still waiting on dates for Bayonetta 3 and Metroid, like you said, rumored Metroid Pine Trilogy. Uh, F-Zero will be an amazing thing. They've kind of done one of all of their big uh, franchises so far, in, apart from F-Zero. So we, we shall see what is happens Animal on Animal Crossing front. on the Switch? Uh, yeah, Animal Crossing oh, is okay. out in March. Yeah, uh, New um, Horizons. I'm very excited about it. That's my one big purchase before May, before The Last of Us lands. Nice. Yeah. Um, Sean, what's your take on all of this Nintendo news? Was it a, kind of a given that they were going to outsell the Xbox One? And is it a, it's quite impressive that they've done it so quickly? I think it's incredibly impressive. But I think one of the biggest takeaways from all of this news is that the fact that the Nintendo Switch has all, outsold the SNES. Yes. So, like, it, it, what it do you mean, the... outsold the SNES? How can it do such a thing? Well, I, oh. Just like the SNES was such a massive cultural landmark. And like the Switch is, is getting there, you know. It's 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 one of these these consoles that's gonna you know remain in people's memories now. It's not you know it's not going to be an Xbox One for sure, um, but it's you know it's it's going to be remembered, and that's great. You know, it's it's going to be a console that that lasts hopefully, but they're going to have to think about a pro version. And I say I said this like six months ago. I can't remember what what podcast it was on, but I said that. When these new gen consoles come out, the Switch is going to struggle. And the Switch, uh, I said that, but like, there's quite a lot of research that's come out since then that, to say that actually the the, the Switch, sorry, is um, is seen as like a secondary console, and that like 70% of Switch owners also have a PS4 or an Xbox One. So it's it's like a it might not struggle, but third party support is going to drop off massively when they're able to use like 13 terabytes worth of power and 
you know, 15 gigs of RAM or whatever the fuck's in the, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. So it, I think that it would be great to see that the, the Switch maybe get a pro version in the future. It, it obviously doesn't need to now, but I think once the new consoles come out and power use starts to really ramp up, I think, you know, I don't know if, if the Switcher version of The Witcher 3 would cut it if it was day and date with the rest of them. I get the feeling you get like Wii U-itis where, you know, you used to get the Wii U version of the same game that came out on the PS3 and the Xbox 360 and it would be just turd. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, God, no. It is interesting. I mean, effectively, the Switch has about just a bit more power than a PS3 and a 360. I think that's what they aimed for. Yeah. And so by the time the new consoles are out, there will be effectively two generations behind. Yeah. Which means that they're going to have to do something. Nintendo have never been that that company never sort of wrote sort of like ridden the wave they've always done their own thing but yeah eventually like you said developers are going to move on because there's just so much more to play with than a series x and a ps5 Absolutely. what about the outer worlds getting a physical copy but not a uh, cartridge i think we're going to see this more and more now and i think it's going to piss a lot of people off Hmm. um i think i think primarily you're going to see it on the nintendo switch uh because the physical medium just isn't big enough to carry the games so I think this is going to become a regular thing for the Switch. And that's probably another reason why you probably want to release a different version. Now, I know it's more than capable of packing two you know, cartridges in a box. You know, we used to do you know, one, two. We've always had games split across multiple discs. You know, to have multiple cartridges in a box, you know, why not? Stick one in as a stall and then have one as your game cartridge. But, you know, that for, for people who haven't got the internet or haven't got a decent enough connection to able to download it. You know, I just think previous in, in previous houses I've lived in, for a game that size, it would take weeks to download. I'd be getting like a, a single byte a day. And it <laughs> you know, it's it depressing. So yeah. I just I just feel for people who want to play those games on Nintendo Switch. And fingers crossed if they, they want to play it on if they want to play it at all, they can go and get it on Games Pass on Xbox or whatever. But yeah. You know, it's I, I don't like that as a practice. I don't think you should be able to sell a box in retail with just a download code in. Yeah, no, I agree. It's really strange. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a fan of it at all. But The Outer Worlds is a big old game. And yeah. it should have been... Should they have just done digital only, do you think? Yeah, they, they should. But I know there's a lot of people out there that, that like to buy boxes. You know, even even if there's nothing in the box, I think there's people still out there that like to fill shelves with... And, you know, the, the same happened with the Vita, where you'd be buying a Vita box with nothing in it but a download code. Uh, but people wanted to have a collection of physical boxes to represent the entire <laughs> Vita catalogue. You know, you got people people in the world, I'm part of a Facebook group of, of collectors, and they, they have every single Vita release. And it's the saddest sight you've ever seen <laughs> in your entire life. Just just a wall of, of Vita games never opened. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's people out there and, you know, people will buy a box with a download code in it, despite the fact that it's, you know, a digital game. So, uh, yeah. Fucking gamers, man. I mean. God damn it. I guess you can't even trade that in, can you? You bought a box. No, you can't. But you can't, yeah, you can't give anything back, can you? That is surreal. <laughs> yeah, and it's a waste of plastic. We're trying to save the world here, damn it. <laughs> Did you hear about uh, Sega moving to fully recycle packaging for all of their yeah. games? Yeah, good for Sega. Yeah, Sega are doing that, and Nintendo are putting out empty plastic boxes. 
God damn it. The bloody... <laughs> damn it, Nintendo. Move with the times. Uh, to be fair, they, they did know. make cardboard VR. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it swings around. Really awesome. it, you know. oh, good old Nintendo. Uh, I'll tell you, Tumberg's not going to buy a copy of the Outer Worlds Nintendo. See what you did? Oh. You've lost a sale. Anyway, I will buy the Outer Worlds on Switch because I cannot wait to play that game on the run. My God. Absolutely amazing. I love that game. Anyway. Does it look, does it look good on the Switch? I haven't seen anything on the Switch. That's another thing. They haven't really show, shown it off on the Switch yet. Which is... <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the fact that they've gone, this game ain't going to fit on a cartridge. So digital learning gives me hope that it's a really good port and it's shiny. Uh, but we shall see. I haven't played a game of, of that scale on the Switch yet. Mm. But I'll be, I'll be happily play it all through again. Just do it to run different characters, you know. Make it new-ish. Nice. We shall see. Uh, right, Shawnee. <laughs> I called you Shawnee. I'm going to knock this, over, this one over to you. You were talking about the uh, GDC survey that developers are more interested in PS5 than Xbox Series X or Switch. So, yes, um, GDC every year, is the, that GDC is the Games Developers Conference, and every year they send out a survey to everybody that's coming along who's a game developer, and they ask them a series of questions about how long they've been in the industry, where they're working, uh, what they're working on, what they're interested in, what they want out of GDC, and some of the answers manage to make it out of GDC into the world. Some some interesting answers based on what developers are actually interested in developing on. And one of the questions was, and I'll read this verbatim, which platforms most interest you as a developer right now? So I'll just go through some of the, some of the answers. So you've got the Xbox One and the One X, uh, 16% of developers. Not great. Xbox Project Scarlet, which is we know is Xbox Series X, is 25%. Xbox Project xCloud, 11%, which is really surprising to me. I don't know about you guys, but I fully expect... Exclusively for xCloud. Is that what that means? Exclusively for xCloud. And when you filled the survey in, you didn't just get to tick one box. You could tick as many as you wanted. Mm. So it's interesting that people who are looking at Scarlet not as many of them are looking at um, xCloud. It would be really interesting to see the Venn diagram of people working on games for a console and games working for cloud gaming. That would yeah. be really interesting. Something we don't get, but yeah. So then we go to PlayStation 4. So we've got PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro, 18%, which is 2% higher than the Xbox One and the Xbox One X. And then you've got the PlayStation 5 at 38%. So almost 40% of developers, which is, you know, it's 13% higher than those for Xbox Series X. So more developers are interested in developing for the PlayStation 5. And PlayStation Now, 4%. 4% hmm. of people are interested in developing for PlayStation Now. And then you go on to the Nintendo. So uh, 37% of people, developers who are interested in developing for the Nintendo Switch. The highest platform out of all of them is PC, with 50% of developers saying they yeah. want to develop. Uh, VR is 27%, and Google Stadia, 19%. <laughs> so more people are interested in, in developing for Google Stadia than they are current PS4 and PS4 Pro. Interesting stuff. Well, I guess that makes sense, given the timeline. Yeah, it's one of these interesting things where these surveys come out, and you can normally glean a little bit about the development com- communities. Mm. And this one, you know, more people... The survey says more mm. people more people are interested in developing for the PS5 than they are the Xbox Series X. Is it right that mobile is bigger than Series X? Let's have a quick search check. You might be right. Because that's interesting. Oh, 
I think it's gone again. This I, I bought. I got a new phone. I've got an Xperia Five, and uh, I'm still not great with it. Um, let's have a look. Mobile, thirty-four percent. Wow, thirty-four percent. That's more mm-hmm. than Xbox Series X. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's thirty-four percent of developers responded to say now. Like you say, you can't you can't tell how many people clicked what boxes if you can't see what the crossover is. Mm-hmm. You know, developers from Japan, China, and Korea, they're all gonna be really interested in mobile development because their markets are mobile are massive. Whereas, yeah. you know, Western developers they might be more inclined to click Xbox Series X and PS five. But it's a really interesting take to see that of the worldwide developers, you've got PC, PS five, mobile, switch. And then Xbox Series X. That's that's not a great place for for Microsoft to be in. I don't think. No, it isn't. I'm still going to use that as the uh, title for this podcast. What? More, more developers want to develop for mobile than Series X. <laughs> Jesus. That's some serious <laughs> clickbait right there. Just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, what do, but what do you, you guys know, think about this? I mean, the evidence is right there, isn't it? I think it's pretty clear, given that given this generation that. Developers have more faith in the user base of PlayStation 4, and they know it's vastly bigger, and so they can only presume that PlayStation 4 owners are going to make the jump to PS5 rather than Series X. Some will do both, obviously. Some will just go to Series X instead. But you've got to play the cards. You know, yeah. making making money on video games is a very difficult thing to do, and if they're gonna want to play it safe, then PlayStation 5 and Switch and PC is surely the safe bets, isn't it? That's what I think, anyway. I mean, yeah. Project Scarlet is interesting because Xbox is so focused on pushing their exclusives, like the games that have no other choice but to come out on Series X and PC. And so may- maybe developers are going, well, are we going to get coverage? Because they're pushing, you know, Ninja Theory and the the in- in- initiation, what are they called? Yeah, the initiative. The initiative, yeah. Yeah, they're so focused on, you know, their exclusives that, Perhaps at E3, they're not going to focus on the third parties so much and just push what they're making for for Series X. And PlayStation may be able to offer them more stage time or more video time in their state of plays or whatever. And so, you know, you saw what happened with the PS5 logo. It became the most successful gaming thing on Instagram ever. Mm. You know, that's a safe bet for me that PlayStation 4 user base are going to make the jump to PS5, regardless of price or whatever it is and so developers are going okay well that's where we want to put our games oh yeah i i watched a seminar from a games developer who was talking about the the transition between generations and how this generation will be the first where developers are really thinking about customer retention you know previously it was okay we're going to release a console and we're going to try and attack attract gamers and it didn't really matter what you know what previous generation you have but now you have a generation where you've got you've got the ability to lock people into your hardware, into your ecosystem. So for PlayStation, you have the fact that you've got trophies. You know, there are people with, like myself, who have got like, you know, hundreds of platinum trophies who they don't want to just get rid of those and move on to something else. And then you've got backwards compatibility. I've already got, you know, according to True Trophies, I have £41,000 worth of software on my account. Fucking That's, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so that is the kind of, am I willing to abandon that to move to a different ecosystem? Of course I'm not. Like, mm. if the PS5 turns out to be an utter disaster, then yeah, you can understand it. But if, if you know, it, as as everyone expects it to be, to be, 
reasonably the same specs, the Xbox One, Xbox Series X to be mildly more powerful, then it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be a deal breaker for a hell of a lot of PlayStation owners. And these lock-in technologies, you know, Xbox have them too. They have backwards compatibility. They have trof- they have achievements. You know, they, they have their own lock-in tech, but they're on about bringing them, you know, to basically, this generation's coming out, here you go. It's all set up for you. You go crazy. It is crazy. Paul, have you got a take on this? Well, not really. I, nothing more than what you guys have said. I mean, the one thing I think that surprised a lot of people when, you know, you had a PS4 and the Xbox One when they first released. I mean, Xbox went down this this weird route of being always connected and where PlayStation just works and games. Now, the PS3 was not a successful console. It was for way behind the Xbox 360. But Sony done something which really boosted the ps4 and that was like make it accessible to the indie indie developers and you know and that kind of smaller community that don't have the big budget and so on and that's i think that's also really helped playstation 4 so i wouldn't be surprised if behind the scenes we don't know all the details that sony have got another a plan for you say to help boost not so much indie but just to just to make it a games console do you know what i mean it's like every time Sony bring out a console there's always something that we don't know about that when it's released it kind of pushes it on apart from the ps3 so of course developers they have the uh the debug consoles and things like that so they probably you know have more information than we do um so i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of i don't know path that sony had planned out uh that would which just appeals to developers and programmers and it's the way they kind of do things you know but yeah i mean yeah like sean said i've got a bazillion games uh, i don't play but i've still got them why am I going to jump to Xbox? I had the worst UI I've ever experienced ever. Um, it's just it's just been scarred. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it really because when you go back to PS3 and the Xbox 360, the 360 was the most successful console. You just assumed that everyone would just jump onto the Xbox One, but it didn't. It went to the PS4. So you know, it's, it's, I think there's something going on behind the scenes we don't know about, and it's going to be revealed at some point. But you know, who knows? An interesting mm. thing about last generation. Like the Wii obviously was the smash hit, you know, hundred hundred and odd million consoles sold. The the PS3 actually outsold the Xbox 360 before the end of the generation. So it turns out the Xbox 360, while was you know really popular at at the time, ended up being the last placed console of that generation, which is like wild when you think about how wildly like popular it was for a short period of time. You know, but the the end of the PS3 with The Last of Us, Uncharted, you know, they they knocked it out of the park repeatedly, and you know, actually, actually won it back. And I think that was that probably really helped the the PS4, like you say, with the indie developers. They they, they spoke to indie developers and filled in the blanks. And you know, Sony this time have they've gone out, they put Shuhei Yoshida in position to help indie developers come to PlayStation and. They, they had games which were like household names from the PS3 days coming across the PS4, like The Last of Us. So I fully expect that to be kind of a strategy they do again. And that you will be very interesting. Um, it's funny you say that, because every time in the PS3 uh, in the era, uh, you, you talk to people like your friends or your buddies at work, whatever, you say, what are you doing? It's like, ah, oh. everyone just said, oh, I'm going back and just going to chill on the Xbox. They always said Xbox. They never said the PS3. You just, you gave this impression the Xbox was like, wildly more popular than the ps3 everyone's like, oh yeah xbox xbox yeah um, it was all about brand that wasn't it you know yeah, the weird, xbox brand was just like super valuable during that generation 
But you don't don't ever forget that Sony had the bestest. Well, they used to have the best marketing uh, for their console launches. If you remember back in the old PS One days, they launched uh, the PS One with Wipeout and they had that soundtrack. They installed them in the clubs, like Ministry of Sound, and it got it got um, got gaming into like uh, an acceptable hobby, not just for the, the nerds in the bedroom, but people go clubbing. Oh, PlayStation, fucking hell, soundtrack it was great. And the PS Two had that third place. Welcome to the third place duck saying something whatever adverts and that just like set it apart ps3 they had nothing and ps4 is now just a brand i think they've, they've got settled on this kind of brand um and if you've seen this leaked ui shots from ps4 and they've basically kept it the same probably just tweaked it made it a bit more user friendly so i think they have this brand now they're going to stick with that and i think it's going to just probably be a steady climb upwards from now on i think fingers crossed sweet so do you want to talk about superman let's do it Paul's favourite superhero, Superman, has had a kind of a rough ride in video games in in the uh, history of the industry. There's never really been one that we can all say hands down, "Hey, that was a good game, Superman." Excluding <laughs> the uh, the Lego games, of course, because they all rock. The best version of Superman's always in those games, and we know it. But what we thought we'd try to do on this podcast this week is try and work out how can we fix Superman, and nobody knows Superman better. Mr. Paul Collett. So, Paul, what exactly are you looking for in a Superman game? What do you think Superman needs in order to be accepted back into the world? Should it be someone like Rocksteady? Should it be Rockstar? Naughty Dog? Or should it be, you know, Mike Bithell making something really weird? Okay, so um, to answer this question, I guess you need to sort of look back at the history of Superman games now. There's been a few in the time, mostly within the 16-bit era, and they, they were just side-scrolling beat-em-ups. Now, Superman is a, a guy that can fly in space, he's as strong as everything, and he can do everything, and he's just, like, invincible. So how do you make a game like that? And a scrolling beat-em-up just doesn't do it justice. Uh, the N64 had a go um, where you could actually fly, um, but that's... Oh, God. Called, yeah, Wrigley called one of the worst games in history. Um, and, you know, and uh, one of the biggest problems the developers have is how can you portray a hero that's this invincible you know by the um the size of the game world you can inhabit you, you know you can you're limited by uh, how strong he is he's invincible he's got eye rays and ice breath and all this kind of stuff how can you put that in the game and still make it like give you a sense of peril as in oh my god i'm gonna die or whatever so um i was just wanted to ask you guys how you think it could be fixed now in the Xbox 360 or, or that era, they had Superman Returns. Now, the game wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't great, but they had this very unique mechanic to portray the power of Superman, and that was to give the city a life bar rather than Superman himself, which means if you, you have to fly around this city and stop crimes and save people and so on, and if you do that, then the energy bar stops depleting. However, you could fly around this open world city and you could fly over into the sea to a degree, but then you have to hit invisible barriers because obviously you can't create an entire, I don't know, planet full of, you know, whatever, you know, inhabitable places to visit. So I wanted to get you, see what you guys thought on a, on a potential idea. You could fly around, so potentially you could drive and fly and, and use a boat in the crew too. So essentially you could have the, you know, on, on the land and the air elements from Superman. Um, whether that work, uh, or not because it's too open but it might it might be an idea or secondly you could make it like no man's sky where you can take off from planet to planet and that would really show off uh superman's sort of power 
But if you played No Man's Sky, you'd understand there's not actually a lot to do. They're pretty much uh, empty planets you can visit. You're trading station and a few little tasks you can do, but it's not really a, a superhero game there. So I got stuck. So I thought I'd ask you guys, because especially Sean, he knows a lot more about the limitations of consoles and whatnot. And Ross, you've got the imagination to do, you know, go crazy. So what is that what you guys thought on how they could solve this kind of age-old problem of a Superman game? Two words. Boyfriend Simulator. Say what? Yeah, I want to go on a date with Clark Kent. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to see... I, I said you had the imagination, but I was not expecting that. I want to see if I can make him fall in love with me. Do it. If I call myself Martha, then I'll be in. <laughs> well, you'd two superheroes to go on a date with, wouldn't you, if you'd done that? Oh, my God. Batman and Superman fighting over uh, us. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's the game I, I want to see. <laughs> the best thing ever. I've... I've always thought the best way to do it would be to cripple Superman in some way at the very beginning of the game. At the very top of the game, do a massive cutscene. He's being all heroic and amazing. But then, you know, someone throws kryptonite his way. And he ends up on planet Earth. It's been kind of overrun by a force that is using nothing but kryptonite. And it's kind of everywhere. It's coming... It's coming it's in the air, it's coming through the floors, coming like, through ceilings and stuff. And so there's always somewhere in a place where Superman is vulnerable. Because a immortal being isn't very fun to play. You know, I think that's what Marvel are currently having an issue with with Captain Marvel. As amazing as Captain Marvel is, you know, she was f- fucked off for most of Endgame because she was just too powerful. And it would have made all of it really kind of pointless. So there is that kind of balance, but I think a way of finding Superman, whether it be Earth or somewhere else, you know, dropped into a place where he can't actually inhabit, but has to in order to save something, then I think that would be pretty cool. Basically make him kind of impervious to, you know, him being impervious to everything but Kryptonite means Kryptonite has to play a big role in it, surely. Of course, yeah. And so that's what I think. I think it would be fun to break him down and then build him back up as as the game goes on. Didn't, wasn't that like something in um, Arkham Knight near the end where uh, they released this toxic gas? Yeah. We'll see it's just like uh, stand on the rooftops and so on. But uh, yeah, I can understand that. But the trouble, again, is you, you build yourself up, which makes sense. But when you get to that powerful, how do you portray that power in the limited, con- con- limited confines of the memory that you're allowed to... Uh, because it's a video game. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be... And... And it'll be justified. I'll ask Neil Druckmann to come up with a cool twist at the end. Do it. And and that'll be it. Yeah, I mean, I've never... I can't always get on board with Superman. I've really loved the Christopher Reeve films. As I said last week, Henry Cavill just does my nut. <laughs> and, yeah, whatever has happened with Superman the last few years has been kind of disappointing. But I think a Superman game has taken a while to return because developers are trying to work out what the hell do we do with this character i'm sure i'm sure there's a great game in there somewhere for sure and i'm sure whoever it is will be voiced by super by uh troy baker it'll be great <laughs> but uh, uh sean have you got a take on this i i think you can solve the problem in one of two ways so firstly I think, exactly exactly yeah dear yeah. dear well, martha that, yeah everybody's <laughs> gone to the rapture but superman right just walking really slowly, no powers, nothing. Just, <laughs> just a long walk 
from the, from the start <laughs> of the game. What remains of Clark Kent? It'll be fantastic. Just go walk from the Kent farm to the metropolis. Isn't it? That's what you've got to do. That's yeah, it. the end. Done. How, how good would the farming simulator be if you were Superman? Like, <laughs> <laughs> going to plough this field with my fist. <laughs> um, okay, so firstly, a narrative adventure. Basically, you know, like the, the Telltale's Batman, but basically Superman. And the idea is you're not fighting Raythan, you are making decisions of morality. So who do I save? Um, in which way do I enter this building, etc.? You're basically taking the, the, the gameplay away and to tell a story. But, you know, that's been, you know, they, they've had to fridge Superman that many times in the past because he is too OP. That you could probably play a, a decent story, you know, about to turn one of his best comics into a Telltale game. And I think that could work. The other way. So I I hate the idea of taking Superman's powers away. Like, I, I totally understand why Roscoe's saying this, because if you give Superman all of his powers, he basically breaks every rule you can possibly give a game. So my idea is that you have a time frame. You have, like, a day. And Superman starts this day, and whatever supervillain is they, they choose basically says, this day is going to be your absolutely worst day, and you're going to have to relive it every day. And they basically, throughout this day, you've got a city, open world, and things happen throughout the day. Like Lois Lane gets attacked, you know, Martha Wayne... It, uh, not... <laughs> Lo- <laughs> Lo- Lois Wayne, did I see Lois Wayne? Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> Lois Lane gets attacked. You know, uh, Martha gets attacked. Um, a bank gets robbed. Uh, you know, Darkseid comes out of the ground and attacks loads of people in the park. All of these happen within a single day. And what happens is you have to figure out the way in which to tackle it so that you can have this day not end up with somebody dying. Does that make sense? And basically, you, you repeat it, like you would uh, a game on Hitman. So, you know, on Hitman, you've got certain things that you need to do, like you can go and throw a homing suitcase at somebody, or you could p- poison their soup. But basically, this game would be, a how do you fix all of the problems wrong with this city today as Superman? And I think that, you know, you, you can't fly through buildings because you're Superman, you won't be killing pedestrians because you're Superman. You'll basically be trying to focus entirely on this, with this city area. You'll have all of these powers... Okay, I can see through the building. I can see there's like a car, you know, run over somebody over there. I'm going to go fix that. And if you don't, at the end of the day, you get to rewind it and start it again and try again. I think that's the only way I can think of the way you can give Superman his own game, but have it actually work. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. But I mean, one of the things, uh, the other things you need to kind of like develop to have a problem with is um, the pedestrians or the. you know, the inhabitants of this world, because I, when you go back and play the original Watchdogs, when you're driving around and being chased by the coppers or whatever, and you kind of accidentally hit a person or run someone over or whatever, someone nearby phones the fucking police up, and that really pisses you off. And you're and at the time, you have a morality meter, so you can be a good uh, vigilante or be a bad one. So every time you run someone over by accident, completely, completely by accident, morality still goes down, and that's not good if you want to be a good vigilante. So, you know, if you're Superman and you're like, like the whole the whole film when the whole metropolis just got blown up and they were going, what about all the dead people? And they got away with it saying they were evacuated, but 
You know what I mean? There's, so you've got these pedestrians, which I think you need in the city, otherwise it'd be sparse, it'd be kind of boring and dull. So, you know, if you're going at the speed of sound and you accidentally like smash a pedestrian in the face with your butt cheeks, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a Superman game I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the buttocks of steel. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it would be quite cool um, if you did have like the Crew 2 type things. So you've got literally all of America to fly around. I think it's a big enough game world. It's just what you fill it up with. Maybe if you do have a day, like you say, Sean, and you've got a day, and that might work because I mean, you have to get to the other side of America in a day, and that would travel obviously Superman's powers. So, you know, that could work. I think it depends on the world and how, because if you've got the world that could betray his powers, then you can probably fit the game around that, I think, because the world, as, as I know it anyway, there's so many restrictions. Get rid of those restrictions, and you can do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, oh, there it is. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, I fixed it, guys. All right. Hear me out. You ready? I am so ready. Hold on to your butts. A <laughs> hundred supermen land on an island. <laughs> uh, now, that'd be quite the fun, though. Superman Royale. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Surely, the, the only thing that can beat Superman is Superman. Yes. Or, or uh, Doomsday. And there's only one character you can be. <laughs> and <laughs> only one skin. <laughs> and it's Henry Cavill's Man of Steel 1. Because everyone uh, loved him. Sorry. Uh, how are you going to make money with this game? You're going to have to sell skins. You're going to have to sell Bizarro. You're going to have to sell um, What's-His-Face Superman. The, the, the crap. <laughs> What's-His-Face Superman. Oh, yeah, that the, one. Yeah, I remember. The one who did one film and it was terrible. Oh, oh, that, was, that was a great film, though. Oh, here he goes. No. Uh, no. Re- Superman Returns was better than Man of Steel. Oh, yeah, 100%. I've said it a thousand times. I've walked out of Man of Steel. I still haven't seen it in full. Okay, that's like choosing which shit you want to stand in. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two piles of shit in front of me. Which one do I want to stand in? Because neither of them are good. Oh, they are. I guess, oh, cold, man. I guess the main question is, why can't any media do Superman well anymore? Besides maybe the comics. Probably just because he's just too powerful, isn't it? You you think that you know? I mean, like you say, Captain Marvel. I mean, when in in her own film, she didn't really do much until the end, and that was pretty cool. And then in the Avengers, she didn't really do much because she can just land and just say "fuck off, are y'all, man?" Um, and that's it. Do you know what I mean, <laughs> I don't watch that movie <laughs> for sure. Hey Thanos, fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Really quite this movie ever. Oh dear. The end. I think we've solved every single problem ever in that conversation. Yeah. I think um I think Sean's is a is, is a really a narrative adventure would be really interesting, but I think I think the majority of people are looking for an action adventure version of Superman, aren't they? They're looking for Absolutely. a uh, Nathan Drake yeah. Batman Arkham esque Superman game. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's what the struggle is. I think yeah, I remember that, that Superman game with the city as the uh, the health bar. That was really cool. That's a clever thing to do. I think they, they need to find a delicate balance, and I think I think Battle Royale is the way to go. <laughs> what about a one-on-one fire, like Mortal Kombat, like, or DC Legends? What's it called? DC Legends, DC Universe? I can't remember what it's called, that, that fighter. Right. Oh, yeah. Injustice. Yeah, just have Superman and, and Doomsday. They're the only two people who can kill each other, isn't it? They're two character <laughs> selection, done. Oh, yeah, I, think, I think we've covered that quite succinctly. Yeah, well... I'd like to see if anyone's got any other ideas. If they could hit us up on Twitter or something, that'd be kind of cool. I hate to do this 
because I don't like giving him publicity. But I remember about a year or so ago, I watched Greg Miller's video game pitch for Superman. Mm. And he's a massive Superman fan like you are. So he goes sort of kind of the ins and outs of the lore and stuff. And it is fascinating. And I think you should go and watch that because it might trigger some uh, some ideas for you. Okay. And uh, yeah, I think that's as much as I dislike Greg Miller, because I do. He annoys my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> he makes my face sad. <laughs> I don't like my face being sad. Uh, yeah, you should check it out. I think that's it's a really interesting idea. Um, not quite as interesting as Sean's. But oh, cool. uh, yeah, an interesting idea nonetheless. And so if any developer was going to have the balls once again to try and make a Superman game, um, there's a few ideas for them to knock around, I think. I know a few indie indie uh, developers like, listen to podcasts from time to time. If they have infinite budget, how would they do a Superman game? That's what I'd like to know. Six, 16-bit plot polo. Say <laughs> <Hey>, what? <laughs> if we ever get uh, Mike Bittle on again, I'll have to ask him. Yeah. Because if anyone's got an interesting take on it, because his version of John Wick was insane and really fun. So, yeah. I think if anyone would either hear him or, I don't know, James Parker, maybe you can do a Rico Superman DLC. Oh, nice. <laughs> just walk, walking through the doors. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just breach the doors, but blow up the building Bias accidentally. Superman, come at me, bitches. Yeah. Slow motion, nothing bullets. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Hey guys, fuck all y'all. I mean, that'd be fun. <laughs> uh, uh, right, let's jump into indie corner. If we can do it. Have you got uh, it? Do, do you want to do a little jingle? Do you want to do yeah? Uh, oh yeah. To, have you got guitar? guitar? There we go. I feel better now. Indie games are cool. Indie games rule. So don't say we didn't warn ya. Welcome to Sean's Indie Corner. That was magic. Yeah, man. I've got chills. Chills. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, encore. Anyway, so yeah, I've been scouring the world of indie games once again to bring you a handful of indie games. And the first one doesn't even have a name. It doesn't even have a name yet. My God, is it Superman? <laughs> it's a Superman. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's a game from uh, Third Shift Studios, and they are on Twitter at Three RD Shift Studio. Um, they have been teasing this game that they've been making uh, since the turn of the year. Their their account started on the first of January, and they've been posting gifs and little videos of their video their, their game. It's built in Unity, but it is one of the best looking Unity games I've ever seen in my entire life. It looks like some kind of um, adventure game in a forest uh, but there's a guy in a flat cap with an, a dog now me talking to you about it is not going to do it any justice you need to go to this twitter account you need to go to at 3rd shift studio and look at the gifts because it looks phenomenal the the game looks amazing like top-notch amazing and it's made by two guys, made by Fabian Denter, who did the World Begins With You, which you might know about if you're like rolling indie indie circles. Uh, it's a platformer that like got a lot of, lot of buzz a little while back. And I'm going to probably murder this name, Kai Bruckers, who's a German Swiss writer and designer. So that, that one's definitely one to look out for. I would highly advise going to that account 
and just looking at it because it looks phenomenal. Okay, second game. Now, I recently got back into wrestling. Like, after a 25 years hiatus, I now watch men in tights roll around a ring. And sometimes women in tights roll around a ring. But I quite got into that, that Fire Pro wrestling world that came out about six months ago. Um, so there's a game that's coming out from indie developers that's kind of like that. It's actually a sequel to the 1991 WrestleFest game, which is like a cult wrestling game. Um, and this is basically a like a 2D pixel art wrestling game. And currently in it are the Road Warriors, you know, Hawk and the other guy, uh, Tommy Dreamer, uh, the Blue World Order, so they've got like the Blue Mini, uh, Nick Aldis, the, the current NWA title holder, uh, Colt Cabana, Austin Idol, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. And it now has the NWO studio, which if you if you watch, it's basically old school wrestling, now school. So on YouTube, it's got NWO Power, and their studio is going to be on it. And Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore are the two arenas that have been announced so far. It looks really cool. It looks like the uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World game, but um, with cool indie wrestlers. And uh, Warhorse has been added to it, who's like a really popular indie wrestler at the minute, who's like a big Metallica fan. And that's his gimmick. He's just like a big Metallica fan who fights. So it's, it looks fun. And the last game, Project Grove. So this is a 3D puzzle platformer. It's out on Kickstarter now. I would highly advise going onto Kickstarter and having a look at the trailer. It looks pretty damn good. It looks a lot like The Valley. I don't know if you've, you you may have heard of this game, but it's like a, a 3D platformer where you, you, you basically have mm-hmm. to do platforming in 3D. Uh, yes. And it's in like a nice forest atmosphere. But this one is a little bit dis- different. You play as an alchemist who goes around this kind of a weird and wonderful forest and you have this robot companion who's called Elpin, who can turn into a platform. And it looks very uh, free roaming, so there's no like it doesn't look like there's loads of direction in it. But you can basically run and jump around this this lovely looking forest to your heart's content. Um, it's been on Kickstarter for about two days, so if that sounds like your jam, go and give it a look. And lastly, just a quick say, shout out to um, a game called Scathe which looks like uh, one of the latest of these uh, retro-inspired first-person shooters set in hell. It looks gory and horrible and a lot like Doom and uh, Duke Nukem 3D, so it's right up my street, and it looks damn good. So if you if you like those kind of games, go and look out for Scathe. S-C-A-T-H-E, Scathe. And that was Sean's Indie Corner. Da, 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 da. Nice. Thanks. I just want to throw in a game called Draugen by Red Thread Games. Yes. Which is coming to PS4 and Xbox One this month, actually. Um, it's been yeah. on PC for a little while, I think last year. It's a kind of a first-person noir adventure, and it looks absolutely awesome. And I cannot wait to jump into it. It looks exactly like my kind of bag and something I really want to play. And I'm going to throw a link to the trailer in our description because it's so cool. You should. It's all about psychological states and people going missing and inquisitive people looking for detective work and clues and evidence. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm all about that. So yeah. uh, I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Draugen? Draugen? I honestly don't know. I've, nobody's ever said it out loud before until now. And okay. now I'm realizing <laughs> that it is really hard to pronounce. So Yeah, I'm going to uh, email Charlene after this and find out. Bravo. <laughs> I think that's an idea. Uh, right then, let's go to the quiz answers. Okay. So are you guys ready for this? Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, question one. What is the name of the fictional city in which the game Burnout Paradise is set? Paul? 
Is it Paradise City? It is Paradise City. Well done. Oh, won't you please sing me home? Oh, my God. What was that? Oh, that was amazing. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> You're really into this. But only um, dogs can hear you now, Ross. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> A podcast dedicated to dogs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate. We should do that. Yeah. Woof, woof. Hey, welcome to the Fingers Podcast. It was a good boy. <laughs> it was a good boy. You're a good boy, aren't you? Yeah, you are. Uh... <laughs> oh, tangents. Okay, question uh, two. What was the name of the first game that was based on a Lego property and developed by Traveller's Tales, or known as TT? Uh, Roscoe, what have you got for this? I think it's Lego Star Wars. Lego Star Wars is correct. Yes. Yeah, Lego Star Wars after... So, Traveller's Tales joined with, I think it was Giant Software to form TT Games directly you after. Some of that, couldn't you? Because there's probably more Star Wars games, Lego, than any other. Is that right? Uh, there's three of them, um, but I think the Lego Batman has now t- overtaken them in, in the oh. numbers games. There's got... one coming this year. Oh, then they'll be equal. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, question three. What is the name of the next game from Joe Danger and No Man's Sky developer Hello Games set to release this year? Roscoe. The Last Campfire? The Last Campfire is right. Yes! Well yes. done. Uh, question four. Rebellion, the developers of the Slap, Sniper Elite, Stranger Brigade, and upcoming Zombie Army 4 games, owns which line of long-running comic books that began in 1977? Paul? Is it 2000 AD? It is 2000 yes. AD. Well done. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. <laughs> question five. What was the name of the first ever game from Team 17? Roscoe, was it Miami Chase? Was it B-Worms? Or C, Full Contact? It was Miami Chase. It wasn't Miami Chase. Yes, it was. No, Miami Chase was published by Team 7. So uh, That's absolutely disgraceful. Miami Chase was developed and published by... Um, it was by Bice Entertainment, I think it was, and uh, by Team 7. They're the same and- damn company. No, Team 7 then joined with a different company to become Team 17. So it's the same company that then joined a different company? Yes, Team 17. Yeah, so they became Team 17, but they were originally Team 7. You're not having the point for saying Miami Chase. Well, I put Miami Chase as well, you see, so I think we should both have a point for that. I think you should both fuck off. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) Wow. Well, that just happened. Jesus. Motherfuckers. Dude, the answer is full contact. Someone needs to overthrow this guy. Yeah. <laughs> boots, I think. Well, I know you both got the wrong. Cool. You both got the question wrong, and now you're like coming at me. Okay, question six. Oh, the oh, one oh. based. <laughs> uh, question six. The London-based slightly mad games developer of the Project Cars games and the upcoming Fast and Furious Crossroads was recently bought by which other British games developer? Paul. Was it Codemasters? It was Codemasters. Well done. Now, I've done this on purpose. Question seven. Playtonic, the studio behind the ukulele games, was founded by six developers, all of whom which worked at which other British game studio? Roscoe? Rare. Rare is correct. Well done, mate. I knew you had it. I knew you were just trying I, to line me up. I worked it out during uh, Superman. Ah, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why it slipped my brain, because obviously it's bloody rare. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> all right. Let's be okay. Question eight, what's the name of the first ever game to be developed by British studio Media Molecule? Paul? Is it Little Big Planet? 
it is little big planet well done see i've also put down craft world because i thought you might get a bit fussy no it's little big planet it, the craft world was the demo they pitched to sony wasn't it yes i'm thinking of getting uh miami chasers team 17's first game before they were team 17. <sighs> That's what I'm saying, you get a bit finicky, do you know what I mean? So I, I think mean, we should have Miami Chase, and I should get a bonus point for Craftworld. No, you're not going to... What no. do you mean? You both got the question wrong. Accept it and move on, okay? Don't think I will. <laughs> Don't think you will either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question nine. British developer The Chinese Room gained its notoriety because of the exploration game Dear Esther, which began life as a mod to which other game? Roscoe? Oh, God, I was dreading this one. Uh, Half Life Two. Half Life Two is correct. Oh my God! Yes, tricky motherfucker that was. <laughs> I thought I caught you out on that one. Okay, and last one, question ten. The Leamington Spa-based playground games have, to date, only ever developed games for one video game franchise. What franchise is it, Paul? Is it Forza? It is Forza. Oh. No, it's not. It's Forza Horizon. I'll take four. You asked me if you would take the series or or this if I would get pernickety. No, turn now... ten. Turn ten. Make Forza. Playground. Right. Make Forza Horizon. I'm just it's saying. It's the same series. I'm going to take Forza as an answer. Listener, if you put down Forza, <sighs> I'll take it. Um, and that that question might be very dated in about two weeks' time if if Playground Games announce the new Fable. Which is <laughs> so. I apologise for a very dated question. Um, just, just out of interest, um, what are your scores, guys? What have you got, Paul? Well, I've only got seven because fucking Miami Chase. Roscoe, what else did you get wrong? Uh, Lego. Ah, well, because of Miami Chase and the blatant deceit, I'm going to use deceit. I got nine. Well done. I still to this day haven't got a full house. That's, and I nearly have one. That's because you can't type fast enough, Ross. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, Google, you need to type faster to get the answers, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I type, I type onto my, into a Google document. Which happens to be Google search, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Highlight, right-click, Google search. I know that. <laughs> it's cool. Um, well done, Roscoe. That takes you into the lead for this season. Um, Thank you. I have taken fast. my rifle place back at the top. Oh, wow. Oh, no, right? I'm rooting for everyone. Next time, we're having a Resident Evil quiz. <laughs> I'm going to a quiz. Next week, and, Ross, and I won't take part. Sean will read it out. I'm glad that. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, the, the Paul and Greg bias is going to start creeping in now. <laughs> so, yes, that so was this. Me? Why? Because you just yeah. said your rightful place was on top. Of the, yeah. everyone else, it's just so... place is always on top. I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know better than most, John. Let's uh, see, make it. Yeah. <sighs> well, thank you very much, Sean. What a, it's a what, pleasure. What, what a treat. Thanks. I feel vindic- I feel vindicated. I thought that was going to be a nine-nine draw. Well, if it makes you feel better, I did put down Harry Potter for the Lego thing because they've got a lot of them games as well. Yeah, yeah. So Fair, Fair question. Right then, <laughs> I feel happy. Anyway, let's move on. Two out this week, February 3rd, we have Dawn of Fear coming to PS4. Dragon Fang, Drained Mystery Dungeon coming to PC. February 4th is Mo- Monster Energy Supercross, the official game 3, which is the actual name of it, which is amazing. Uh, you can read our review of it on thinkingguns.net. Sean Davies put one up on Friday. Uh, the Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance is coming to PS4 and Switch. 
also on February 4th. February 4th also sees the release of Zombie Army 4 Dead War, which looks really fun. And I'm, I'm sad we haven't been able to cover it, but it looks very, very cool. So go and check it out. February 5th, Monster Viator. Viator? Viator. It's coming to Xbox One and PC. February 6th, Code Realize, Guardian of Rebirth. Is it coming to Switch? Yeah. <laughs> These games get worse. Every time mm. they get a new one out. Code Rebirth slash sexy underwear slash <laughs> jiggly boobies. That's, that's yeah, what it's going to be next to. Just, Love it. <laughs> Uh, February 6th, the fantastic Nights and Bikes is coming to Nintendo Switch, which is very exciting. The Turing Test is also coming to Switch on February the 7th. Uh, one of us played that. One of us did, didn't they? I've always wanted to. Yeah, uh, okay. I might make, make space for it this week. That'd be cool. Elia, E L E A, is coming to Switch on February 8th. I think Greg reviewed that back in the day. He, he did enjoy it. He did. I believe. And uh, yeah, that's about your lot for, uh, for next week. Not looking too bad at all. A good week for indies. And of course, Zombie Army 4 dropping as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that does bring an end to this week's Finger Guns podcast. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us everywhere on Twitter at FNGRGNS over at Facebook, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Finger Guns UK. I've never messed that up before. I just did. I'm really angry at myself. You can follow us on Twitch on twitch.tv forward slash fingerguns.net. We've been streaming quite a lot over there this week and we'll aim to carry that on uh, next week as well. Hopefully, should be fun. Come and say hi. We're a nice, friendly bunch over there. And that's about it from us. Thank you very much indeed for listening. It is goodbye from Mr. Paul Collett. See you. Goodbye from Mr. Sean Davies. Shardock. And it is goodbye from me. I've been Roscoe. I'll see you next time on the Finger Guns Podcast. Sure.